I mean, I've just watched this show, but imagining, like, the diary making it to the end of the series and being the chronicle. <laughs> right? The diary be becomes really the cool? main character. Overlaps, Jack is better and more dynamic <laughs> in every way. <laughs> Day one, I saw someone get sucked into a into an engine. <laughs> that was awkward. Zero out of ten wasn't a great day. (laughs) Hello and welcome to Our Lost Podcast, brought to you by the Aficionados Podcast Network. My name is Robin Jeffrey. I'm a 22-year-old actor and filmmaker from Alberta, Canada. I like brooding anti-heroes and feminist agendas, and I have way too much knowledge regarding details that no one else remembers. I run at The 100 Script on Twitter, and you can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey pretty much everywhere. My favorite famous person that I've ever met is Richard Harmon, the light of my life. (laughs) And my name is Brittany Ray. I'm a 20-year-old writer from beautiful post-apocalyptic Vancouver, BC. I'm a TV critic for TV After Dark and Telltale TV, and I'm on Twitter at Appertania, where I can be found attempting journalism and talking about my cat. My favorite famous person I've ever met is Carrie Fisher, and I miss her every single day. And we would I like do. to introduce our guest for this episode, Brock! Hi, guys. Thank you so much for allowing me to be on this show. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Okay. Hey everyone, my name's Brock Beale. I am 22, going on 23 in November. My favorite Hogwarts houses are Hufflepuff with a tinge of Gryffindor. And uh, mm-hmm. for social media outlets, you can follow me at Beelmeister on DeviantArt, at Beelmeister on Twitter, and at Prehistoric Prince on Instagram. And my favorite famous person that I've met is Brent Butt. And for non-Canadians, he's a Canadian. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Full-blown Albertan. But- and he made, like, the most iconic Canadian show, I would say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, Brack, how far have you watched uh, in the show? I've gotten up to the finale of season one. Uh, I am going to start season two when I get the chance due to schooling. Yeah, for sure. And uh, what do you think so far? All right. Well, it's really interesting, to say the least. Like, my first uh, sort of introduction to Lost was actually through a preview that I think was on some sort of Disney DVD. I don't know which Disney DVD. I always thought it was Pirates of the Caribbean, and I've been searching for that preview ever since. So far, the show has... Yeah, it's been really interesting just seeing, like, every character has his or her little own secrets, and everything about it is just building upon secret after secret, and you just want to say, what is truly going on? (laughs) That's the whole theme of Lost. Exactly. Um, who are some of your favorite characters so far? Uh, some of my favorites... Oh, goodness me. Some of my favorites include Hurley. He's one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jin and Sun. Uh, I know uh, people may have conflicting opinions about some of these characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sawyer is another favorite. I gotta love that accent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh John, only because uh, I'm a big fan of the Nuzlocke challenge from Pokemon. Okay. Uh, he's featured in it. Uh, I won't go into detail. Okay. And I'll have to leave it with uh, Charlie and Kate. Like, I have a lot of favorites right now, and I have a feeling that they're all going to die pretty soon. Uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a good instinct with the show, actually. <laughs> I was raised on Game of Thrones logic, so... Brock, why don't you talk a little bit about how we know each other? Oh, sure. So, Robin and I actually went to school together. We spent four years in theater and film at Red Deer College, and we worked together on various productions, uh, 
both in theater and in film, so we've got a long experience of hanging out with each other. Yeah. Oh, so you guys are fancy. Yes. Yeah, the fancy. <laughs> the fancy kind, yes, of course. And you both love accents. Yep, this will go well, I think. <laughs> and also pop cultural references. Uh, Robin's got mm-hmm. her share, sure. I've got my share. Well, thank God, because otherwise none of this is going to work for any of us. <laughs> okay, Britt, why don't you say your thing? Wait, first I have to make a comment. Okay. Do you guys ever watch Global News and there's like that one reviewer minute of the mo- minute at the movies? Oh yeah, they uh, pop up every Friday. That's what your voice sounds like to me. <laughs> you sound like that reviewer. I couldn't place it until right now, but you sound like the guy from Minute at the Movies. Really? I always thought I yeah, sounded I... like Harry Potter. Like, no, I think it, <laughs> what, Brock? What? Like on Did you camera. Know that you're not British? No. <laughs> I'm just messing with you. I'm British Columbian, but I've always been Albertan. Well, there Brock's you go. Brock's like, um, don't you know that I actually sound like Orlando Bloom? I wish. All right, let's get rolling, kids. Today we have words to say about episode 114 of Lost special so special the main thing to take from the title is that walt is uh he's been called that quite often so far um last episode shannon was called special but i don't think that's really relevant uh for this part uh the broadcast date is january 19th 2005 it was written by david fury and directed by greg last time we called him Yatanis, but like it could be Yatanes. I don't know. It could be. It could be anything. If anyone I mean, knows how to actually pronounce this guy's last name, hit us up, please. I wasn't <laughs> paying attention to who wrote it. I was just paying attention to the episode. Well, we like we like the behind the scenes stuff. Sounds mm-hmm. good. Well, because a lot of the writers actually cross over from like the hundred and stuff, so we like to know things. Oh, hundred. Plus, yep. like I went to film school for screenwriting, so I know like who a lot of these people are. Awesome. So now Brittany is going to do a small, uh, hilarious recap of the episode. She's going to try and do it in under a minute. And if she can't do it, then I'm going to speed it up. So she sounds like a dumb baby. That's weird because I actually usually sound like a dumb baby anyway. So Michael has lost Walt, which is super not good. But it's okay because Walt is fine. He's just hanging out with his two best friends, Locke and Boone, who are teaching him to throw knives. You know, normal kid stuff. Michael bans Locke from hanging out with Walt. Michael doesn't feel great about that because he didn't really get to raise Walt. Saeed and Shannon want to find the source of Rousseau's transmission, but Michael wants to build a raft and get the hell out of Dodge. Charlie thinks someone has stolen Claire's diary. Kate finds it with Sawyer. Classic. Michael drags Walt along to help him build a raft, which is a great bonding opportunity, I guess. Walt bails and wants to hang out with Locke. Michael isn't too happy about that, so Walt runs away with Vincent. Kids these days. Locke and Michael finally find Walt roughly five seconds before a polar bear eats him. Later, Michael gives Walt a box of letters Michael wrote to him when he was growing up. Oh, and surprise, Claire's back. In the past, Michael and Susan, Walt's mom, have a falling out after Walt is born. Susan takes Walt away from Michael, hooks up with another guy, and then dies. Way to go, Susan. Michael goes to pick up Walt from Australia, and Susan's husband says Walt is a super weird kid. Tell us something we don't know. All right, let's get started here. So we've got a quick storyline here about Claire's diary and then the main chunk of the episode about Michael and Walt, and then we'll move into flashbacks like we always do. So starting with Claire's diary, Charlie, who's looking for the bag, something that I kind of wanted to bring up that I thought was interesting was that Michael gives up first. Like, I don't know if this is like a, um, a metaphor. Hey, Michael, have you seen Claire's bags? You seen my son? You see her bags? Claire's? Her luggage. It's not been brought back here. No one seems to know what's happened to it. Uh, sorry, man. I don't know. I'm just looking for Walt. Oh, got it. Sorry. I- I've not seen 
You know what I mean? Like he could have he could have kept it going, but he didn't. You know? Does that make sense? Maybe, yeah. Yeah. Maybe because like he knew that Charlie wasn't gonna play that yeah. game. Mm-hmm. Well, I think Michael had a more urgency to him. Like, I don't know, like, Charlie uh, was fine with bouncing it back and forth. Oh, yeah, and Michael was like, all right, let's get this rolling, please. Yeah, like, let's get to the point sort of thing. Yeah, because Charlie's always, outside of the drug stuff, a a fun-loving kind of guy. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) I like that Charlie's extremes are, like, drugs and also fun. (laughs) And also Claire. (laughs) Let's not forget that. And also Claire. Good point, good point. Either way, neither of them know where either item is. Charlie makes me smile in this moment. Charlie makes me smile in this episode, just in general. But, like, he's literally the most polite. Like, he says, oh, okay, well, sorry, I haven't seen him. Bye. And I'm like, buddy, you're doing such a great job being a good dude. And then there's Hurley going to, nah, he hates it. We have Saeed, Shannon, and Jack looking at the maps and equations. Uh, Although this isn't technically part of uh, Charlie looking for Claire's diary, this does come back later uh, in this storyline, so I just roped it right in there. Basically, Saeed thinks that this triangle thing is not the location of the island, but a location on the island. Then Saeed and Shannon have this little, like, inside joke thing going on and whatever. Because they're in love. Because they're in love and, you know, okay, so the map isn't to scale and they're not even sure if it's a map of this island and maybe the thing is a map to the transmitter thing. Mm-hmm. But also, what a weird combo of characters in this moment. <laughs> That's so true. But, like, I think it's nice. Shannon has finally found her place on the island and it's sort of, sort of, I would say maybe under Saeed's tutelage a little bit. A little bit, yeah. Because Boone ditched her. <laughs> yeah, because Boone ditched her, and she's like, well, I don't need Boone. I'm just going to be my own person. And True. Saeed helped bring that out in her. Mm-hmm. I love my children. <laughs> <laughs> Your children. Yes, I'm proud of them. I'm glad you're proud she of has them. Many, she has many children. True. Yeah. But, but Murphy's the top children. That's True. Murphy is my child, but also my boyfriend. So what does that mean? Oh, that's real creepy. Let's not explore that any further. Yeah. Isn't there a movie on that? I don't know, but uh, I don't want to. Yes. <laughs> no, there is. There is. And it's like it, Matt Smith is in it. Matt Smith? Yeah, it's like um, it's Matt Smith and like Eva Green. And like he's her boyfriend and he dies. And then she misses him so much that she actually like gets pregnant with his clone. And what? then like like, gives birth to his clone and then, like, raises him, but, like, he ages super fast so that he's back to, like, being his normal self. It's so weird. Yeah, that I remember that. makes zero sense to me. You do? Did you watch this movie? No, I remember hearing about it, and you can't see it, folks, but I'm cringing up right now. All right. That's a great song, Anyway, guys. let's do something that's not talk about that. So, we have Kate and Charlie on the beach. Charlie's looking through Claire's bags, and he's like, she usually has it in this side pocket. Somebody must have taken it. Oh, I know who. Must have been everyone's favorite scapegoat, who actually usually is the one who does things. (laughs) Well, I mean... He's the scapegoat, but also sometimes just the goat. Yep, true, true, true. Uh, He doesn't seem goatish, but Sawyer the scape. Yeah. (laughs) Sawyer something. He's he's every, every version of that word. He can be anything to anyone. That's True. the beauty of Sawyer. Um, I have a question. Mm-hmm. Um, up until now, did we know that Claire kept a diary? Because I can't remember yes. if she did. Okay, okay. Every time that she was 
like writing in her diary she was writing in it in pilot part two and like mm-hmm. you know when charlie came up and said dear diary uh, today oh, i ate right. a bug or whatever and every single time i was like please remember that she's writing in her diary it's very important thanks i actually do think that's probably one of the smartest things anyone on that island could have done write a diary yeah yeah like keep a record of everything they've been doing because so far all the days are passing and you know when you're on an island and stuff it just passes in a blur claire's mm-hmm. like the historian yeah like oh oh my, my goodness child. oh my goodness i mean i've just watched this show but imagining like the diary making it to the end of the series and being the chronicle <laughs> Right? The diary becomes really the cool? main character. Overlaps. Jack is better and more dynamic <laughs> in every way. <laughs> Day one, I saw someone get sucked into a into an engine. <laughs> that was awkward. A, zero out of ten wasn't a great day. <laughs> okay, back on topic. Sawyer! My Soy favorite sauce. topic. So, oh my goodness. Literally, I just love... This moment. Okay, wait. I'm going down and I'm putting my honorable mention right now. Everyone knows what my honorable mention is going to be now. It's literally just tr- Sawyer saying trick or treat. Ooh. Ooh. Actually, if I remember properly, he said trick or treat before. Like, he's made this joke before, if I remember. I think it was I feel in. Like you're the only one who would remember that. I think it was in White Rabbit when Jack went into. It might, it might not have been White Rabbit, but he went into the. Fuselage. Was it Walkabout? I don't know. Either way, he went into the fuselage and he was like looking for medicine or whatever. And then Sawyer said trick or treat and spooked him. Or maybe, did he just say boo? I don't know. Halloween themed though. Well, Sawyer has kind of a few themes going with him. Like there's the whole Halloween-esque boo and trick or treat. But he's always the one that carries Watership down. Like, is there sort of a term like a white rabbit or a black rabbit sort of motif going with him? I guess I think he finished Watership Down. He gets he goes through uh he goes through books pretty quick. Yeah. It's weird to me. I expected to see more of his books throughout the first season. And like he reads a lot. I can name like a bunch of books that Sawyer reads and like he just hasn't I guess he just hasn't found them yet. So speaking of books, will we be getting to that uh, little comic very soon? Oh yeah, in the in the Michael and Walt storyline. Gotcha. Yes. So basically, they're like, Sawyer, did you take the thing? And he's like, first of all, how dare you? Second of all, maybe. How how dare me? (laughs) I I did take the thing. I'm sorry. (laughs) I absolutely did. Yes. And so they're like, well, you should probably give it to us. And he's like, well, I don't think that she wanted Charlie reading it. I'm just saying. And he's like, well, I wasn't going to. And he's like, well, aren't you curious about what she said about you? You know, there's not a whole lot of great books to read on this island yet, apparently. And, uh... You know, sometimes you just need, uh, <laughs> he, like, basically he's reading hypothetical things and then he opens in up, Claire's diary. And then he opens up the diary, pretends to read a few uh, excerpts, and then Charlie decides to punch him in the injured arm to get the, get the diary back. Sawyer, exactly. Sawyer proceeds to respond with what I think is the best sound effect on this show. <laughs> Sawyer punching things. Mm, I love that punch. I played that punch. <laughs> I played that punch multiple times on repeat. Just oh my oh god! My god. Uh, Brock obsessed with Sawyer. Same hard same. Uh, he was the gunslinger in Community. He he will always be a gunslinger. Mwah. Right, my angel. That was. Wait, Robin, did you watch that episode of Community? Yeah. Okay, good. Because I was gonna be like, 
That's essential viewing for anyone who loves TV. Well, the thing, like, we watched it in screenwriting class. And I don't remember why. Is it because, like, I think I chose thought it was a great... Yeah. It's one of the finest, like, the the paintball episodes are some of the finest crafted television that's ever really been yeah. made. Yeah. Okay, well, then that's heckin' why. And Josh got yeah. to be a part of it, my sweet angel. And, like, I didn't know that Josh was in community at all. And literally, as soon as he showed up on screen, I was like... <gasps> Oh, where did my breath go? There's actually one of the stop motion Christmas episodes that they do is all about Abed trying to, I think it's about him trying to get a DVD box out of Lost. Really? I am Abed. Yeah. I'm, I'm Abed in so many ways. Like the whole thing is based around like Abed's having like an internal crisis and goes into this world. But the, the I think the thing at the ending of the rainbow is that he's been trying to find like the meaning of the like loss. Uh, Britain Robin in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's too funny. Every morning, if, everyone's if like, only we could get Britney up that early. No more. <laughs> Something that I've noticed, actually, in, like, those sort of shows, in those uh, comedy shows, these great comedy shows, I'm seeing a lot of Lost in them, and that, like, brings me so much joy. Like, as you're saying, Community, I haven't finished Community uh, yet, but I'm currently in the middle of trying to finish Brooklyn Nine-Nine, a rewatch of Brooklyn Nine-Nine before season five starts, and I'm realizing how many friends I have on that team because uh, there's this thing called the Apollo Chocolate bar in the lost universe and it was it was made specifically for lost like it's not an actual Mm -hmm. real chocolate bar and whenever a a tv show puts the apollo chocolate bar in it like it's a specific like reference like once upon a time did it a lot and once upon a time did a lot of lost things because the two head showrunners were from lost they also wrote for lost that's right a whole lot of like a lot of lost references in Once Upon a Time. But uh, I was just rewatching Brooklyn Nine-Nine, and, and what does Jake do? He hands them a heckin' Apollo chocolate bar. And I'm thinking, oh my goodness, someone is my friend here. There have been at least three lost actors on Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I didn't even realize. Like, I knew that there were two, and then as soon as they, like, they just kept bringing And I was like, oh my god, someone here? I... I love whoever has done this. Sort. <laughs> I mean, you know, like, half the cast of Lost was on Person of Interest, right? Name them all. Oh, boy. We're going to be <sighs> here all night. Ben, Miles, mm-hmm. Charles oh. Widmore. Uh-huh. Actually, Miles Miles is in there for, like, a while. Might be. Um, who else? Um, I mean, Ben's, like, the star of the show, right? Because it's, yeah. it's, like, Michael Emerson's show. Uh-huh. And then um, who else is guested on it I'll, I'll get back to you but there's like literally there's huge overlap between it because it's all in like back in the day when lost was airing it was called the jj verse yeah which was um like this huge like interlinked television universe that basically ended with person of interest like that was the last oh, I see. one but there, like there's lost references in fringe there's lost references in basically most shows from that prestige era like era of television mm-hmm. have lost references wouldn't in them. that be something though if uh, the jj abrams star wars trilogy had some sort of connection to lost sigh i mean i would enjoy that for sure yeah <laughs> Let's uh let us continue, shall we? we? Shall. Yeah. Sawyer gets punched, Charlie gets punched. Mm. And then Kate You didn't really read it, did you? I just hadn't gotten around to it yet. He's basically like, Oh well, you know, I was gonna be a bad dude. I totally was. Um, but you know, I just 
you know, whatever. I just, uh, you got to me first. He's the smug snake. Before corner I was gonna. There's kind of no guy. heckin' way. I don't think he would have read it. <laughs> I do. You do? Oh yeah. Uh, no, I don't think he would have read it. I think he was just being a bit playful with it. You think? I feel like I. You know what? I, actually, I I kind of agree on either sides now. I think that maybe he would probably like put it off for a while and if he got really bored and ran out of books that's when it would have been like all right well i gotta pick up something because like my thing with sawyer is that like sawyer observes people a lot right yeah so like to him that's an entire gateway into not only claire but claire's observations of the rest of them right so that's kind of an invaluable tool to him because yeah, that's a good point. it just it's like it's like Hurley with gossip, right? Yeah. It's just more information that they need or that they want or you know, entertainment that they crave. But like for people like Sawyer and Charlie, whatever is in that diary is super key to understanding Claire. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because Claire's not really a talkative sort of person, right? <laughs> Claire's super talkative, but I don't know. Well I just feel like maybe Sawyer and Claire I didn't have that much interaction, but I absolutely feel like if Sawyer sees something of leverage or something of use that he can use to gain information on other people, he will use oh, it. Oh, absolutely. It's really sweet how, like, eventually Sawyer, like, sees all these people that he doesn't really like and ends up being like, these are all of my children. You do yep. not touch a hair on their heads or I will murder the- you. Yeah. He's like, yeah, they may-, they may be idiots, but they're my idiots. They're my <laughs> idiots. Do not touch them. Do not breathe on them. Uh, do not look at Robin- them. That's how I feel about you. Aww. So is... Maybe an idiot, but you're my idiot. The next thing we have is Kate and Charlie have moved Claire's stuff to the caves. Kate is keeping Charlie company, and then she's like, are you okay? Which is a good thing to ask somebody who's gone through a trauma, so I support her in that uh, uh, moment, in that action mm-hmm. that she's done. I barely knew her. barely know her, Claire. She's been missing over a week, and every day she's gone, it feels like bits of me are crumbling on something. It's really sweet, because, like, everyone on that island, like, kind of picked their person. Yeah. And that's why Sawyer has a hard time, too, because Sawyer picked Kate, but Kate picked Jack. Oh, my God, a million tears. So, like, when so you lose, true. like, the one... Literally, though, it's, like, the constant thing, which is, like, spoilers, but, like... Everyone pe- sort of picked their, their constant on the island to help keep them sane, and, like, Charlie doesn't have that anymore. Well, Charlie had That's Claire, true. and you had said that Charlie chose Kate, but Kate chose Jack? No, Sawyer Sawyer chose Kate, and Kate oh, chose okay. Jack. Oh, okay. So Sawyer doesn't really have, like, a, a mutual constant. I know that yeah. Hurley has Jen. Son also has Jen. Hurley has I would everyone, say that Hurley has honest. Charlie. Charlie. Oh, yeah. But Charlie has Claire. Yeah, yeah, Claire's... I, Sun and Jin, of course. Michael and Walt. It feels like Michael chose Walt and Walt chose Locke. And Boone also chose Locke? I mean, who wouldn't choose yeah, Locke? Tr- very true. That's it's true. Like Boone chose Shannon, Shannon chose Saeed, so Boone deflected and chose Locke instead. Locke's like, yeah. I don't heckin' need a constant, but okay, I guess I'll take these, like, warren of bunnies. <laughs> that He's like, me. I don't need a constant, but I could definitely use some groupies. I've, I've taken the conflicted <laughs> sure. step stepbrother and the kid. Yep. And also his... These are mine now. Basically, she's like, you'll keep her stuff safe, I'm sure. Uh, and then, and then, like, this, this little scene here always stays in my mind. It's like a one-shot thing where, with just Dom being goofy... Mm-hmm. 
He's so good. He has such great comedic timing. I love. Oh, Dom. I love that scene. It, it like you said, it, the comedic timing's perfect. Yeah. Just like. He's just it, such a good actor. Can, True. Do I want to look at it? Do I want to look at? I'll look at it. Oh no 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 no. <laughs> no, maybe not. Well, yes. Uh, mm. Actually, no. That'd I gotta be bad. get out of here. Where's Hurley? But maybe I could potentially. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So uh, he he does end up reading it, but I mean, guys. Serious question, would you read the diary? Uh, yep. I, yes, I 100% would, um, yes. I'd be conflicted because it is uh, somebody else's diary, and usually I ask permission. Oh, yeah, there's, like, a huge amount of guilt, like, associated with that, but I feel like, especially in, like, this generation with the fact that everyone's so open on social media, things mm. like diaries don't... I don't know if they hold the same, like, sacredness that they used to because everyone's information True. is so public. So, like, for me, I would definitely be, feel conflicted, but I would probably say, like, whatever is in that is more important than whatever my guilt is. Well, yeah, and if it... Yeah, it's, like, it's more about um, um, solving the mystery and being, like, this is the reason why I did it, and look at yeah. it kind of helped. Yeah, especially since Charlie read the diary, found some cute things about him, and also found out about the yeah. Black Rock. Exactly. So, it, it, was, it was helpful, and also, um, I feel like Charlie super needed that, to be honest. Yeah. I think so, too. Charlie's kind of like the shaggy of the gang. Oh, my shaggy. God. Why? <laughs> what do you mean, why? Just in every way. <laughs> like, zoinks, Hurley. Dude, why are you doing that? Charlie is shaggy. Uh-huh. We totally did with this on our Riverdale podcast already. <laughs> we did do that. Um, if Charlie is shaggy, is Jack Fred? Yes. I think Jack is the oh, most Fred sure. person in the entire world. Yeah. So, I feel like Shannon's got to be the Daphne, or do you think that... Kate is the Daphne. I think Sun is the Velma. Uh, if if Kate's going to be Daphne, it's going to have to be live-action Kung Fu Daphne from the movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Sarah Michelle Geller. Now who's the damsel in distress? Me. Straight up. Oh, I love her. <laughs> and also, I'm impressed that you can actually quote scooby Oh, that's the only line yeah, I, I wish re- I was Actually, I remember a few lines, but that movie's just meh. Monster, uh, I think you'll find that movie's a masterpiece. So. Yeah, I think you need to watch it again and memorize more lines and realize that it's a Oh, I know a fair share of lines. <laughs> I know that Scrappy is freaky with that CG. Scrappy dabby do. Scrappy do. Yeah. He's beautiful. Anyways, once again, off topic. Uh, so the sort of things that are written in Claire's diary include uh, the packing list that she wrote down for her flight. Um, I have a fun fact. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. tell us. There is a blooper slash continuity error where uh, Claire says, I realized I really like Charlie, but she spells it with a Z when if she was raised in Australia, went to Australian school, she would be uh, spelling it with an S. And, uh, and Claire was born and raised in Australia? Uh-huh. Huh. That's weird. She didn't Same. have an... A prop master wasn't thinking about that. Uh. Jinkies. Jinkies. She basically wrote, I really like him. He's very, he's adorable and sweet and he makes her feel safe. And so it's like, yes, everything is good. It's like angels have ascended for Charlie. <laughs> um, so we see Jack and Saeed and Saeed is like totally judging Charlie for reading her diary, which is fair. Relatable. But basically he says she had a dream about a black rock. That's something that Saeed brought out before. Maybe that's what's the what the triangle is uh, pointing to. 
When we were doing Raised by Another, we went on this dream uh, interpretation website that I'm back on uh, and talked a lot about uh, what her dreams meant. And so I'm going to search up rock and see what happens. I seriously... Crockpot? That's not what I want. I seriously thought you were going to say Brock. I'm going to search for the Brock. (laughs) Okay, to see a rock in your dream symbolizes strength, permanence, stability, and integrity as conveyed in the common phrase, as solid as a rock. The dream may, may also indicate that you are making a commitment to a relationship or that you are contemplating some changes in your life that will lay the groundwork for a more solid foundation. Alternatively, a rock represents stubbornness, disharmony, and unhappiness. Well... Do you think if you have a dream about Dwayne the Rock Johnson, it would have the same interpretation? Absolutely, uh, yes. Dwayne, Dwayne the we... Rock Johnson would probably be on the former side of things. What Claire was dreaming, I feel, is on the latter side of things. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, it would be fantastic if she was dreaming of Dwayne the Rock Johnson, but... Uh, what, what really works is if... Uh, basically, it doesn't say if you dream of black, but it's like black in general black symbolizes the unknown the subconscious danger mystery darkness death mourning rejection hate or malice the color invites you to delve deeper in your subconscious in order to gain a better understanding of yourself it also signifies a lack of love and lack of support more positively black represents potential and possibilities it's like a clean or blank slate which is a theme yes i love and also this. my favorite color wow my favorite color is yeah. purple. It's the most it's the most versatile color. What doesn't go with black? True. Uh, yeah. Alright, I'll go with that. <laughs> See? See? Try and prove me wrong. You cannot. But what you were saying with blank slates, like everybody oh, sure. on the island is, starts off as somebody else. The people they were before they left. Uh-huh. Like mm-hmm. Jack was the disgruntled doctor. Uh, Kate was the runaway criminal or captured criminal. Mm-hmm son but i won't go into any more spoilers but on the island they they basically become someone new that true they're exactly. willing to let go of their past discretions at least at yes letting go is a big theme as let well let it go let it go <laughs> not what i meant but uh, I, yes I relate, but yes. yes they be we're not paying disney they, for that oh i've got disney references up the wazoo but basically uh oh i know <laughs> they uh, let go of what they were to become someone else someone that can survive on this island and also be more i should say compassionate to one another because when they started off they were all uh, hesitant around one another except for hurley hurley gets along with everybody true those are all my notes for the claire's diary storyline if anyone has any more uh thoughts uh, uh then we'll move oh, on to michael and i Walt. do have one more thought sure hmm. when charlie opens up the diary i noticed at one point it looked like uh, claire had wrote down i hate him so oh was, I didn't was that a reference to charlie or to somebody else maybe the psychic that she was going to in australia Ooh. That's a good thought. Oh, that's a good one. Especially because he kept waking her up in the middle of the night. Yeah. yeah. And as a pregnant woman, the thing that you want the most is sleep and not phone calls from strange men. <laughs> Especially psychics. Like, I mean, like, I fully relate. Um, I also want sleep and not phone calls from strange men. Yeah, actually, you know what? That's a relatable. Yeah. Yeah. Literally, probably everyone in the world also agrees. 
Yep. So moving on to the the main part of the episode, we have Michael and Walt on the island. So we open with Michael's eye. What did I tell you? Always the eyes. Heck yeah. Then we had this conversation with Charlie. Uh, Jack shows up and has the firewood and he's saying, Walt has took Vincent for a walk. I don't know where he is. Jack, you always listen to your dad, right? And Jack's like, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I always listen yeah, to sure. him. Yeah, sure. I love my I yeah. know, and then and then I stopped, after, and I got him fired. It, yeah, and then I turned him in for malpractice, but, like, it's no thing. And I may have gotten him killed from alcohol poisoning, but... I'm a good son. <laughs> Whatever. What I really love about this scene is that Hurley shows up and says, is talking about a golf tournament that he's set up. It's so great that they haven't just, like, had this uh, storyline for one episode and then forgotten about it. Yeah, they, it's still they happening keep in the it background. going. Yeah. Yeah, because it also means that Hurley has purpose outside of, like, whenever we see him. It means, like, all the other characters are busy doing things. Yeah, it, it, it lets you think about what, what's going on in the background. Uh, you can imagine, like, in between uh, each of the episodes, you could have, like, little unofficial out scenes with the characters, like, the main characters and the red shirts hanging out and doing stuff from time to time. Yeah, it kind of feels like you could make, like, a whole web series of, like, what everyone else is up to. <laughs> Which I would watch. They actually did. Oh, yeah, they did. In between seasons three and four, they had uh, the Missing Pieces webisodes uh, that are considered completely canon. So we're actually going to have an episode about them, I think. Um, Okay. Between season three and season four. And, uh, yeah, it's basically, you know, things that the characters are doing that we don't see. It's pretty cool and pretty chill. Oh, sweet. I wish all TV shows did that. Like, I just sometimes you just want more of a universe. Yes. So Hurley thinks that Michael probably hates being a father, and Jack's like, no, no, it's a hard job. And Hurley's like, nah, he hates it. Yeah. I don't know. Love that line. Hurley doesn't have terrible instincts. (laughs) Basically, we find Wolf. Wolf! <laughs> I'm so tired. I woke up at 6.30. Wolf. I'm sorry. Wolf? Is the Wolf! 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 Has anybody seen Wolf? That Wolf sure is a weird kid. Boone, have you seen Wolf? Wolf no? is special. Wolf is different. Everyone's like, have you seen Wolf? Uh, who the fuck is Wolf? Did you forget <laughs> your own kid's uh, Wolf. I have... It was my father's name. <laughs> I haven't seen Wolf, but but I have seen Walt. He went that away. So Walt is training with uh, Boone and Locke to learn how to throw a knife properly. Yep. Um, listen, I would want to do that too. <laughs> I mean, same. Can we just say right now that Vincent was actually the top knife thrower of the bunch? We just didn't see him throw it? <laughs> yeah, oh, I know. Sure. Yeah, I believe that. Yeah, I know. Dogs have thumbs. I want to point out Boone's four aces shirt. I okay. like it and I want it. All right, Kay, I thought it had some meaning, but instead it's just Robin wants fashion. It just, I just, um, it it's relevant to my life and I want it. Hashtag Robin wants fashion. <laughs> Please Top help fashion, me. Look it up. Hashtag Robin wants fashion. The only clothing she owns is a Dharma jumpsuit and it doesn't even have her name on it. It's true, it's not my name. Help me. <laughs> okay, listen. So basically, Locke is like, aim for this knot in this tree. Just like visualize it. And Locke brings up later that Michael treats Walt like a child. Locke treats uh, Walt like an adult. And although I do think that th- it's important to have a balance between those things, we can see that with Boone saying, man, you should probably just take it, take it easy on him. Yeah. Like, 
Michael's still being new to actually being a father for once. Which and is, like, the entire crux of his arc, right? Yeah. Yeah, and him and Locke really need to, like, simmer down on the whole who gets custody of Walt. Yeah, but, like, also, what child-rearing... It, it, Locke is very much, like, the best friend of the parent or, like, yeah. the fun uncle. True. Who, like, doesn't actually know, like, what it's like to raise that child or doesn't have that role in their life. So they're like, why not let him do the dangerous knife-throwing? And it's like, well... Because he's a child, and there's sharp objects. So, I have a fun fact again. Okay. Um, Tell us. I was watching the Lost on Location for this episode, and Damon, another light of my life, was talking about how Walt is psychic. Like, we know that, right? Yeah, he's a psychic type. He's on par with Mewtwo. Yeah, so uh, Damon was saying that he... It was very important for them not to be like, Walt, are you psychic? Like, they just wanted to be like, examples, 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 like, reasons for you to think this. Like, never do they ever outright go and say, Walt has magic powers. Walt is psychic. Wow. Like, like the only thing that they ever say is, Walt's special. Walt's different. He said it was well, very important to them for them not to explicitly say, because then the audience is going to be like, okay, we get it. Well, I think or, like, we how kinda... else can they use that power? Yeah. Well, I think they've got it just from uh, them saying, like, he's special and he's yeah. different. And as the episode goes on, you realize something is really wrong with Walt. Like, mm-hmm. Or really right. Or really right. Yeah. <laughs> that kid is... I don't mean to jump ahead a bit, but during the Walt's flashback moment in Australia, he caused that mm-hmm. poor Crimson Rosella to crash into the window and die. And yes, love that you know the kind of bird it was. Yeah, why do you know what kind of bird it is? Because I've been to Australia in high school, and one of the uh, parrots that we saw in the wilderness and also had to feed was Crimson Rosellas, along with this, king parrots. This was a and perfect I... episode for you to be on. Yep. And I should know because that either that or the king parrot pooped on my shoulder. Oh my god! That's how you would know. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Yes. Thank you so much for sharing that. Oh, you're welcome. Um, so Boone is really impressed by Walt, and Locke always believed in him. And that's when Michael shows up and finds finds the Scooby gang there and sends Walt back to the caves. He's like, listen, I see Walt, like Michael's side here. Yeah, I'm on Michael's side here. Yep. We're back home. I'd call the police on your ass. Encouraging a kid to sneak away from his parent. Giving him a knife like this? Walt knows his own mind. Hey, don't talk to me about my son like you know him. You really need to calm down. You keep playing my son against me. And I'm gonna have a- I told you to stay away from him. Sup? <laughs> you tell him to sneak away from his father? Which I don't think Locke does, first of all. No, Locke doesn't do that. Yeah. Michael's transferring a lot of his guilt onto Locke. True. I think Locke is just the kind of guy who's just twirling his knife, minding his own business, humming old Susanna, and then Walt shows up. Oh, hey, Walt, how's it going? And then Michael yeah, like, shows up and says, um, I'm going to kill you for doing nothing. And and Boone's like, wait, I thought I was the favorite. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, you're my constant, not Walt's. <laughs> What's going on? What's happening? Go, go away, Boone, you're bothering me. That's real. <laughs> okay. Me at Boone and at Ian Summerholder. Yep. Oh, I'm so excited to talk about it. Uh, as soon as he makes a really terrible joke, uh, then we will yell about how terrible he is. Okay. Can't anyway. Sweet. So he threatens him, and that's when Boone tackles him. And, like, I 
kind of support Boone in this moment just because, like, holding a knife up at, like, never at any point were they, while they were playing with these knives, never at any point were they threatening people or doing anything super, super dangerous, like, 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 I, you know what I mean. Anyway. Yeah. But, but then this the... is a step too far, and Boone realizes that, and so stops it, even though he could have been like, hey, man, why why you holding knives up to people? But instead, escalates the situation, as always. Boone tackles him, and then Michael, in a way of just like saying, this ain't your episode anymore, just flips <laughs> him over and starts beating him up. He's like, what the heck kind of henchman are you, sir? This ain't your episode, Boone! It's just like... I'm I'm very much in support of Michael, like, in this moment, just because it's sort of like that big conundrum with, like, Disney movies or with things like The Walking Dead, where it's like, you know you're a grown-up when the adults start making more sense than the kids. Yeah. And I get that they're on an island. I get that there are dangers and stuff. But at this time, they've only been on that island, what, 16 days? Um, let me find out. Special takes place during days 26 to 27. Okay, so they've been on the island a month. Yeah. The biggest threat that they've seen is is not really, like, bodily harm to them, I'm guessing. It's been a polar bear, and what I can only assume is the Spinosaurus from Jurassic Park 3. True. That's what I think (laughs) attacked attacked the pilot in the plane, and that only makes sense if you watch Jurassic Park 3. But also, don't watch Jurassic Park 3 because it's terrible. (laughs) Jurassic Park is my favorite movie of all time. Mm-hmm. I love Jurassic Park 2. Jurassic Park 3 is just two hours of Taya Leone screaming. And Spinosaurus ripping T-Rex apart, even though Spinosaurus may have been killed by T-Rex in real life. And was also, like, a water-based dinosaur. Man, yeah. can you guys do, like, a spoiler warning for Jurassic Park 3? Jeez. We could do a spoiler okay. wa- We could do a little mini-series of Walking with Dinosaurs if we like and just nitpick about the scientific inaccuracies. That sounds like a you problem. <laughs> so, uh, Sam is in the same room with me right now. Yeah. And uh, she's texting me, like, little commentaries as we're talking. Can she hear us and or she's just hearing you? She can just hear me. <laughs> so she is texting me in all caps lock, that movie is not as bad as you say it is. <laughs> and I'm here to tell you it is that bad. Thank you for the commentary, Samantha. The only good part of that movie is Laura Dern, because she is the True. best part of most movies. She's the hero. She's Yeah, Laura Dern is the hero of Jurassic Park 3, and that's a fact. Thank you very much. I rest my case. And also, Spinosaurus. That's the only good reason for Jurassic Park 3. The best joke from Jurassic World is that when the T-Rex is running, it crashes through a statue of a Spinosaurus, and I think that's the best tongue in, tongue-in-cheek joke. Okay, now I rest my case. Uh, anyway, okay. back to Michael and Walt. Of course, yes. So, Locke is basically saying, you're not really seeing the potential in your son, he's different, and he's been through more terrible things than most people do in their entire lives, um, and he's like, just stay away from me and my son. Thanks. And it's like, Don't come yes. near me or my son ever again. <laughs> and, like, Locke respects that. Unfortunately, Walt doesn't, and Locke faces the problems with that. Now, that's the problem like, with kid characters in these kinds of shows. What? Uh, they don't listen to their elders. I mean, that advances That's just the problem with everything. kids. <laughs> you know what this reminds me of? What? Listen, nobody at me, but, like, I can't stand Amy Pond on uh, Doctor Who, and it's because... Wow! I know. It's because the doctor says, Amy, stay here, and she goes, okay, so walk through this mysterious door. 
And I'm oh, like, Oh, I'm sorry. You... Are you new to Doctor Who? That's what makes a companion. The doctor says one thing and the companion does the other it's thing. It's very annoying. Spoilers That's the point Doctor of companions. Who, guys. I've never even watched Doctor Who. All you have to know is man r- goes through time, right. has companion. And travels and in a spaceship that True. is a British telephone booth. Yes. That is exactly what he does, but it's only stuck that way because the shield, the um, camouflage thing broke, but it didn't actually the break. The chameleon and I think he circuit. Just it that way. Thank you. I could not remember. I, I got the C word, but I couldn't. It was a Time Lord rock band. That's how I remember. I actually really did love Chameleon Circuit, but can we talk about how your opinions on Amy Pond are terrible? Sorry, can't. I mean, Team Rory at all, all times because he's always like, um, Amy, that's a bad idea. And I'm like, thank you in every way. Okay, but all companions have to be plucky and not listen because otherwise, how would the plot of the episode happen? I guess, but I feel like I'd be the worst companion ever. He'd be like, stay here, and I'd be like, got it, I'll hide behind this table. (laughs) Listen, Amy Pond is important, because without Amy Pond, we wouldn't have River Song, and then I wouldn't know what to do with my life. True. Thank you. So Michael is watching Walt sleep, Sun shows up, Michael's saying, I missed his whole childhood, and he cannot grow up on this island. And so now, I am going to build something. It's going to be amazing. I'm going to tell everybody else, because they'll think it's amazing. Hey, guys, I'm going to build a raft. Well, that's a stupid idea, Michael. <laughs> and I'm like, you know what? Michael's the only one other than Saeed getting stuff done. So how True. stupid is it really? I get it. If you're a parent, your kid's on that island, your number one responsibility is get my child off this island and to safety. I, every move that Michael makes makes sense to me. Yep. But I think it's because, like, parents in media are often, like, super misunderstood. Don't 100% know why. Yeah. But... Michael makes perfect sense to me. Yeah, like, he's doing what's best for his son. I mean, his son doesn't really agree with him, but he's still doing what's best, and I feel like in this episode, Michael's the only sane man while everybody else is doing their own stuff. Precisely. Yeah. But I don't know if it's really presented that way. I feel like the narrative puts Michael in the position of, this man is slightly unhinged. Yeah. Where, to me, I think he makes perfect sense. Yeah. And it's interesting that we can have both of these perspectives. Mm-hmm. And still just uh, appreciate the episode and such. And junk and stuff. The next scene that we have is after Saeed and Shannon and Jack's conversation. Michael shows up, basically is like, we can't keep living here. We're building water filtration systems. We're playing golf. And I'm like, excuse me, sir. The water filtration system? That was your idea, my dude. Yep. It's like, oh, um, do you want to contribute or do you want to leave? Which one do you want? <laughs> Pick, please. And also, wasn't he one of the first people to play golf? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's like a whole thing about like how Michael's decision to play golf and not give Walt his turn is like indicative of like how yeah. Michael doesn't really know how to parent. We managed to get a lot of imagery out of golf. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Shannon's like, nobody else wants to heck and be here. And he's like, okay, I'm going to build a raft. And we need some optimism here. Because honestly, nobody is hecking coming. <laughs> Which is real. It's real. Yep. But it's also reality no one wants to face. They kind of just want to ignore it. Yeah, exactly. He says, the seats float. And Saeed's like, yeah, but rough waters. And Shannon's like, yeah, but I get seasick. And Michael's like, okay, whatever. Grow old here. I don't give a crap. You know what? Great. Stay here. Grow old. Good luck to you. But I'm doing this. My son and I are leaving. Anybody that wants to help us build, God bless you. He says, God bless you. So... There are so many times when Michael says destiny, he said he talks about God and 
and having faith. He talks about optimism, which is all things that we've been talking about with man of faith. So I think that's mm-hmm. an obvious one. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we have Walt reading the comic book. There's a polar bear on it. He's trying to speak Spanish. Uh, Brock, did you want to talk about the comic book? Oh, yeah. I was just wondering from a executive standpoint, how did J.J. Abrams get away with having a Flash and Green Lantern comic book on a show that was basically owned by Disney? Like, ABC ooh, ooh. was owned by... I have the answer to this! Oh, good, because I don't. <laughs> It was because when this was made, Marvel was not Disney property. It was its own other property. But DC was still owned by Warner Brothers even before Marvel was owned by Disney. It was, but you can buy the rights to comic books really freaking easily, especially if they're past a certain publication date. Oh, really? Ooh, she's such a smart cookie. I didn't know that. I have a lot of Disney knowledge. (laughs) I... Especially Disney's investments. I know a lot about Disney's investments. Do you know a lot about Disney's, like, the film's behind-the-scenes histories? Yes. Then you and I are gonna get along, gonna get along just fine. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> Robin's like, I'm in hell! So, Walt is saying, no, I can't read Spanish, but I do like the pictures. And this is when Michael's like, uh, oh my god, an in. He's like, do you like art? I also like art. Um... You know, uh, something about perspective, uh, comic books, blah, blah, blah. And Walt ignores him. Like, I totally relate with Michael in this episode. It's very, very sad because he actually tried without having to yell at Locke during this. And it was such an accessible avenue. It's just like he did it at the wrong time, right? Because, like, kids have long memories. So they're going to be like, "Um, well, you pissed me off, like, 13 days ago. So I'm still mad at you about that. Yeah, exactly. He takes the comic book. And he's like, whatever, I need help with this thing, so let's go. But I was about and to it's reach like, the best part. Too bad, let's go. <laughs> Literally any parent ever. But again, like, I see Michael here. He's like, Michael doesn't know how to parent because Michael's never been a parent because he wasn't allowed to be a parent. Yeah. So he doesn't know what he's doing. He's just kind of doing what feels like what... I think a lot of Michael's parenting is what he thinks parents are supposed to do. Admittedly, yeah. though, he was a parent for, like one year of Walt's life, and I think all his experience goes to changing diapers. Yeah. I mean, that was back when Walt couldn't talk and could drool, so. <laughs> Claire Claire comes back, and she's like, I'm having a baby, and he's like, oh, my forte! Now's my chance to redeem myself. Yeah. I'll change, I'll change the diapers! Yeah. They're looking through the wreckage. She's like, just find a piece that could maybe help with the frame. We've got, like, bamboo and crap. It'll be awesome. Walt's like, am I being punished? Which, which <laughs> I also relate to. He's like, no, you, Relatable. Think, you think chilling with your pops is a, is a punishment? And this is when he says the control of the destiny line. Am I being punished? What, you think working with your old man is punishment? Oh, man. This is us taking control of our destiny. Feels like punishment. And he's like, well, it feels like punishment. And I'm like, I relate. I would also rather read a comic book. Yeah, it's like, I too would not like to do manual labor. Yeah. So thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Gosh, guys, you, I think you're part of the group that wants to stay on the island. Why? Oh, no, I would, I would, I would be getting off the island. I would just be a mix of like Shannon and Saeed. Where it's like, I want to find myself useful, but I also don't want to be building rafts. Yes, exactly. Yes. Because if I had a choice, I would be following Saeed every single time. We have Walt uh, seeing Boone and Locke walking by. And he's like, I think I will go in this direction. And Michael's like, cool. Um, can you give me some water too? And he's like, 
please. Thank you. First, first rule of parenting is never take your eyes off them and never expect them to do what you ask. We'll work that's on just, your manners. That's just parenting in television in a nutshell. It's like, uh, don't leave. It doesn't look at the kid walking away. Hey, can you come back? Please. please. Whereas in reality, like, my mom would not let me out of her sight. <laughs> and I'm a grown woman. Shannon comes up to Boone and she's like, um, you still don't have any food. And that's when Boone makes this quip about eating disorders and it's never brought up again so it almost leads me to believe that it's not true and that Boone was just saying something rude and even if it was true it would be even more hurtful yeah that sounds like Boone to make light of someone's psychological troubles just because he has a small grudge against them but what I mean whatever and also because like last episode was all Boone trying to get over his Ugh, relationship with Shannon. I mean, we pretend that didn't happen. Ugh. I I feel like this is something that doesn't just doesn't travel well through time. Um, because they have been, as we've been discussing, have been bringing up uh, some things that they potentially th- that potentially were jokes at the time that people mm-hmm. m- might have laughed at, but now in the current political climate current feminist party that's going on in my life and in many people's lives uh mm-hmm. this is just so off-putting well i mean it's the family guy syndrome right oh yeah it's, it's stuff it's stuff that was funny then that you could make a joke of and it was seen as funny by a lot of people but to a lot of other people it was in I mean, it's like making jokes about racism or sexism or anything yeah. like that. Jokes about oh, yeah. mental disorders is like we as a society have evolved past that as a sense of humor, which is why a lot of Sawyer's jokes don't land anymore yeah. and why Hurley's yes. thinly veiled misunderstanding of Asian cultures just doesn't land anymore because we as a society in a lot of ways are a lot smarter now. Agree. So but- when when Boone makes jokes like that, instead of it coming off as, haha, Shannon's like that skinny girl who always has an eating disorder and she's that blonde girl, it's... Um, no, actually, she's a complex human being, and you're a little jerk. Yeah. And this isn't even a a new phase, too. This is, goes back even as far back as early days of cinema. Like, I, Exactly, yeah. Like, you look at, like, early Disney, early Warner Brothers cartoons, like, they can be nasty. There's actually a movie by Disney that is, uh, Splash Mountain is actually based off of, that is so Song of the racist. South. Song of the South. Yeah, I think so I've heard racist. of that. That it cannot be distributed in Disney pulled distribution of it. And, it, and for good reason. And yes. Warner Brothers has 12 cartoons that are like the censored 12 or censored 11. And they've been taken out of syndication because of portrayals of like African Americans and other et- ethnic minorities. Exactly. Jeez. You know, things like that. Like things like um, some of the stuff that Seth Rogen makes. Like if your comedy doesn't evolve, you die. Yeah. Anywho. Anyway, this uh, this scene is kind of just supposed to be a thing from last episode basically telling us Boone has now moved on. Which, like, thank you for showing us how terrible Ian Summerhalder is before we actually knew. Because, man, Ian Summerhalder in the news lately, huh, friends? I what a piece of trash. I to him in the news. What happened? Oh, 
Oh. Well, thank God. Robin, would you like to explain to us why Ian Summerholder is human garbage? Well, I, I, I'm going to be honest. I didn't read the article, but I have been uh, seeing a few things that are going on. Basically, uh, Ian Summerholder is married to another actress uh, named Nikki Reed. She was in Twilight and some other things. Uh, and it was uh, brought out that apparently in order to conceive a child he made the decision to throw away her birth control pills unbeknownst to her i heard about that yeah Yeah. i just didn't recognize the actor which honestly like you know you think is like that's problematic but down to the core of it that's consent issue yep because they had talked about he and uh nikki had talked about having a child and they talked about it like with their families but he did not get her consent to do that, and he actually filmed her crying, freaking out, not being able to find her birth control. Um, oh, man, I just don't understand that, that his thought process. So, so it's like, I, I think a lot of people are excusing because it's like, oh, they were married and they wanted kids, and it's like, I don't think that Ian Summerholder understands. And, you know, whether or not she was okay with it is a different thing, but it's sort of an issue of men don't understand that, like, this is a huge thing that happens to women's bodies, uh-huh. and to have any degree of control over it is super super important yeah so yeah anyway ian sucks so let's move on so lock is yes so lock (laughs) is sitting by himself walt comes up lock is an okay dude (laughs) like everybody please understand lock is an okay dude he's basically saying Walt, i need you to walk away he you know we got to respect your father's wishes and walt's like i don't even freaking care and it's like honestly walt like okay but the consequences aren't really for you but Walt doesn't understand that he's a kid. I know, but, like, buddy. He like, understands, like, he likes to troll Michael, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, I mean, like, kids don't understand the complexity of, like, human emotion and consequences. So, it, I think that Locke is doing a really good thing there in he didn't know what the boundaries were. Now he knows what the boundaries are. Now he's making an effort. Good guy, Locke. He's being respectful of uh, the space set between Michael and him. Here's... Here's my thing is that it's like, that's when Michael walks in and like, you knew it was going to happen and you kind of get, it's not secondhand embarrassment, but it's secondhand, like, you really want to defend Locke and you like, if it were you, you would be like, oh no, oh oh my God, it's your kid's fault. But Locke doesn't do that. And that really speaks to his character. Mm -hmm. Locke understands the complexities of it more than like, I can even give him credit for. Like, he really does. And like, Michael says, if you don't stay away from my son, I will kill you. And it's like yes, that's a step too far, and and you just, oh, it's so in, infuriating. Like, you, you agree with Michael for most of the episode, and then this happens, and it's just like, but Walt, but Locke doesn't deserve this, and, like, you know that Locke doesn't deserve it, and it's really upsetting. Mm-hmm. But at the, at the same time, like, you look at it, and you're like, when you're a parent, I feel like you have blinders on. Yeah. But, like, I, again, it's like, Michael, like, why, 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 why? And... He also takes it a step too far when he takes the comic book and throws it into the fire, essentially destroying it, as we yeah. see the polar bear being burned alive, and I feel like that's an, al- an allegory for global warming. Ooh, tell me more. Well, you see, the island that they landed on was actually post-apocalyptic Canada. They just entered a time war. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Uh, I kind of super love it, actually. The great thing is, like, that could be right, and you'd never know it. Well, Brock would never know it. Yeah, Brock would. He'd be like, I knew it. So, Walt then confronts his father. He's like, Locke is my friend. You're a jerk. 
What'd you say to me? Mr. Locke didn't do anything wrong. He's my friend. He's not anymore. I'm looking out for you. You don't care about me. You never cared about me. What? You only I... show up after my mom died? Where were you when I was growing up, huh? Nowhere. Listen, Walt, it's, it's complicated. I don't even care. You're not my father. You want to hate me? You want to punish me for something I can't change? Fine. But you will listen to me. Like, it's not his fault. Like, that, that wasn't his decision. It's something that he can't change. Then we have the polar bear in the fire, and this is, like, Walt plus reading plus being angry equals the animal he's reading about shows up. Ooh, gee, wonder why that happened. Hmm. <laughs> That's a coincidence. So basically, Walt and Vincent are gone. They ran away. Uh, I think it's Hurley who talks to Michael about that. And he's like, oh, yeah, I heckin know where he went. So he goes to find Locke, and he's like, dude, he's not even here. And they go off to find him. Exactly. He's basically saying, I've been respecting your wishes this whole heckin' time, man. I've just been, I've been trying my heckin' best. And whether or not Michael recognizes it, at least we know it. Exactly. Walt's in the forest, hears the sound, Vincent runs away, and he runs after him. Then, when, while they're finding him, they find the dog leash, they hear Walt yelling, and they go running. But also, thanks a lot, Vincent. There was no need for that. <laughs> exactly. Like, where is Vincent, even? We don't even yeah, know. Yeah, I'm 100% blaming the dog for this. Like, you yeah. didn't do your job. Like, weren't you supposed to protect um, the small one? Why did you run? Exactly. He's just taking a Vincent few is no lassie. He's taking a few sips of tea, and the polar bear's just handing him a fish. It's like, so, survivors, eh? <laughs> Am I right? So there's a polar bear, which, surprise, they're, they go up in the tree, and... Uh, fun fact. <gasps> what? Um, while they were shooting this, uh, it's kind of like the tennis ball on a stick thing, except it was just like three people. Each one, like two people had fake polar bear arms and one person had a fake polar bear head. And they were basically like, rawr, rawr. That's a lot to ask from a kid. Like shout out to that actor. Oh because my gosh. A million shout outs to Malcolm. Lot. Can I give, can yeah. I actually give like an actual promotional shout out to Malcolm Kelly? Here it okay, is. Okay, do it. Malcolm David okay. Kelly. It, let, how old is he now? I need to know now. Uno momento. Robin pauses own shout out. Yep. <laughs> Malcolm David Kelly. Here he is. He is now 25 years old. Oh my Jeez. god. I want to give a huge shout out to Malcolm. He was fantastic throughout this entire heckin' show. And promotional shout out goes to his band, MKTO, uh, which you may have heard their song classic if you're familiar baby is so classic are you familiar no but i'm sure you, you haven't heard sure this song it was are. so popular could it's you like, share it with us afterwards head, thinking i was born in the wrong time baby yes so classic <gasps> wait i know that song yeah. wait so, i think i've heard of it i th i thought it was sung by somebody else like bruno it mars was, uh, he has a band called MKTO. He's the MK, and then his um, uh, his uh, bandmate Tony is the TO, and uh, yeah, that's their like big uh, big hit so far. He does all the rapping. Tony does all of the singing. They're really great. They're they actually have like some success. I'm really just proud. Um, yeah, so that was their big song. My favorite song by them currently is called Monaco. It's really cute and really pretty. Um, also. Fun fact about this is that they have this song called Thank You. It was their first single. And if you go uh, and watch the um, music video to it, you can actually uh, see a bunch of Lost references in it. 
What? Really? Yeah, it's really cool. So first of all, there are like these little polar bear figurines uh, on one of the oh. like desks. Uh, there's a bunch of physics and uh, and things. There's um, listen, this doesn't me- make sense to people who haven't continued on with the show, but I'm going to say it anyway. Uh, there's a chalkboard and it says, if anything happens, Desmond Hume is my constant written in it. Stop. Yeah, I'm not even It kidding. does. Also, behind the teacher, Room 23, Tom Sawyer, and Deus Ex Machina are all written on the board. But the biggest one is if you go, and uh, I think it's like around two minutes in, he and Tony walk down the street, and Harold Perrineau, who played Michael, walks by him, and they have this moment of like, do I know that guy? Oh, oh my god, god, I'm looking this yeah, way yeah, yeah. right Here, now. Let Hang me find on. it. So Which one is it? Because it's, it's fantastic. You have to go check it out. I'm like... Can you share the what's, link, what's the song please? called? Uh, yeah, one yes, second. of course. Let me grab it for you guys, and I'll I'll find the. And then everybody, I urge you, if you're listening to this, to go uh, check it out. It's called "Thank You," and it's by MKTO. Um, you know, it's a debut single. It was from 2013, so like, you know, <laughs> their music is. It has 21 million views. 21 oh yeah, million yeah. Views. Here, let me. Uh, so on the topic go. of lost actors uh, going on to doing other things, I actually uh-huh. just found out that. Uh, is it Eugene Kim who plays uh, Jin? Uh, Daniel Day Kim. Daniel Day, Day Kim. Kim. Uh, he actually found out he was in an episode of Avatar The Last Airbender. Oh, cool. He was an Earthbender general who was trying to get uh, Avatar Aang to enter the Avatar state uh, on purpose, and that kind of backfired horribly. Um, if you go into Thank You, uh, on seven seconds is when you can see the little polar bear. It looks like there's a picture of Vincent behind him. Oh, what the heck? Oh my god, that's not even on Lostpedia! Oh my god, finding these things in real time! This is amazing! You're welcome! Yeah, literally, okay, at um, 46 seconds, you oh, can see Desmond Hughes. Hold on, I still haven't found the video. There it is. I sent the link. Oh, the link just led me to Safari, so I just typed it up. Oh, okay. Look at those polar bears. Uh, where's the polar bear? Where's the polar bear? It's next to the TV. And if you go to 1 minute 32 is when you should probably get it started, and then you can uh, watch the part oh my God, where the... Harold Perry. Where's the that. Where's the part with the constant? Um, It was like 47. Uh, it was 46. Try 46 bears. seconds. I saw the polar bear. I'm looking for... I'm looking for... Desmond. Oh, I see Deus Ex Machina and If anything Sawyer. happens, Desmond Hume is my constant. I'm gonna call. Oh, tears. oh my god. So go to like 130. Hey, um, what? The board also has a problem about a plane leaving Australia and crashes a thousand miles into the, into the South Pacific. Oh, I love this crap. I love it. And there's it yes, says, Malcolm. And then it says, Malcolm, bring it It says back. Faraday physics um, on it. Did you see that yeah. one? Yeah. I'm trying to find the bit where he runs into uh, Michael's actor. Yeah, uh, go to one, one and a half minutes. A minute 30? Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's like, Dad, where are you going? I'm going oh into God. the Badlands. This, this video is so obviously a bunch of kids making music. Yeah, oh, 100%. It's their debut single. Oh my God, there's a... Oh my God! I know, and it's just this moment that gives me chills every single time. What? It's Michael! What, the balloon? Or I'm, I've been watching Michael? it over and over again. Seeing Michael, this is so... Oh, look at him, he's like, I've seen that guy before. Yeah! Um, that's that's all that uh, Lostpedia tells me, but... Well, suck it, Lostpedia, I found more Heck than you. Yeah! So, we kind of left Walt uh, being horribly attacked by a polar bear <laughs> in a tree. Uh, do you think we should that's go true. back to him? I mean, right. like, maybe. 
I'm definitely leaving all of this in, though, because it's important for people to check this out. <laughs> Sounds good. Because I'm very proud of him. He does a really great job. My favorite, Yeah, but my favorite song by them right now is called Monaco. Please check it out. Sometimes I cry. I just love it so much. Okay. Okay. Right, right, right. So uh, Michael's, like, about to fall, and Locke catches him, and it's like, oh, the symbolism. He gives him the knife. It's like a just juxtaposition of the fact that Michael's like, um, don't give my kid a knife. And then later Michael's like, kid, here's a knife. Take the knife. You need a knife. Yeah. You must be trained in war. Stab him. Stab him Michael good. goes down and they bring up Walt first. Michael's still in danger. Stabs the polar bear. Polar bear runs away. They have this hug and it's like, here is the moment. Here it is. Aww. They're happy again. Like, they fix their relationship. He's like, where's Vincent? And, he, and Locke says, he's, he found his way back to you before, and he will come back to you again. Which is interesting because it was Locke last time. And that's why Michael and but Walt also, have this little moment. That's like super not helpful advice. If someone was like, your animal will find its way back to you, would be like, okay, thanks. I'm going to go look <laughs> well, still, I though. Well, like a form of reassurance, though. It's like, your dog will come back to you. Okay, Boone, settle up. Yeah, true. Yeah, exactly. He has this present for him. It's this box, and he said he's been sending letters to him over the last eight years, but uh, Walt never saw them. Uh, Susan had it, but the thing is that she didn't throw them away, so maybe one day she wanted him to see them. Uh, then they have the dumb joke, and it's very cute. They're together, and it's nice. Every card, every letter I sent you over the last eight years. You wrote me? Mm-hmm. I never saw these. Do my mom have these? Why didn't she give them to me? I don't know. But she didn't throw them away either, which means, you know, somewhere inside she wanted you to have them. So, you drew these? Just for you. This one. Did for your second birthday. A penguin. With the sunburn? That's dumb. Yeah, I know. That's what I said. <laughs> I never thought about the fact that she didn't yeah, throw them away. I, yeah. I, I, I was I just, just so mad at her. She kept it for that purpose, but never got around to giving it to him when it was time. Yeah, I wonder if she was going to wait until he was like, you're like, <laughs> welcome to your high school graduation. Here you go. <laughs> These are all the letters that your dad was going to give to you. He's like, oh, uh, that guy? Brian? No, no, what? no, no, if, no, not if, Brian. Uh, Your actual dad. Do you guys think that if Walt had gotten these letters that he would have, like, written back? Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think so, too. I feel like Walt's, like, a pretty thoughtful kid. Yeah. Like, outside of, like, what we see. And I think he definitely would have wanted to get to know his dad. But there's also, like, a definite... There's a, there's a complicated relationship with kids with, like, divorced parents or, like, absent dads mm -hmm. where, like, you definitely resent the person who's not there, even if, like there's a reason that they're not there. Like, that's, like, most of Walt's entire personality is, like, he super resents Michael for not being there. Even though Michael has a good reason, and it's that he wasn't allowed to see it, Walt is a kid, like, kids just don't understand that. All they understand is that you weren't there. And, like, Michael kind of was there as much as he could have been. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, like, we know that we don't blame Michael for any of that, and Michael had no control. Uh, the last thing that happens is that uh, Boone thinks that the dog whistle isn't working. They hear footsteps, and it's Claire! All ragtag and dirty, too. What? She's back! Hey, welcome back, uh, Claire. Uh, where were you? I was out at the mud run. Yeah, well, I don't know. Where were you? Uh, catching polar bears. 
Um, she just escaped, like, a really bad spa day, okay? Yeah, I understand, I understand, but... Yeah. Can't we all have a little fun out of this? <laughs> um, are there... You guys have any more thoughts before we move into flashbacks? Uh, I actually want to... No. ...say one thing about the flashbacks, just to start things off. Okay. Who plays Susan? Okay. Uh, just out of curiosity. Uh, her name is Tamara Taylor, and she's actually Canadian. Fun fact. She's in Bones! Uh, just yeah. because... Uh, and she's in Bones! She's from uh, Toronto, A I lot think. of the shots of her, uh, she shares that sort of... She has very expressive eyes. Yeah, she yeah, does. She does. Anyway, Tamara Taylor is an absolutely wonderful actress, and she's on Bones, and I liked Bones, so you should watch Bones. Moving on to flashbacks, this is Susan. They're looking for a baby crib. This one's too expensive. You can totally tell it's the 90s because of that terrible hat that Michael is wearing. I thought that hat looked just <laughs> fine. It's fashion? Yeah, that's because you... <laughs> That's your hat style, Brock. Was he wearing a flat cap? No, that's a Brock hat. This is not a Brock hat, but I I would definitely see you wearing one of those. Oh, I'll just have to... Wait, now I gotta go look at this cap, because I feel like I don't remember it. I'm looking at this cap right now. Oh, it's freaking tragic. Yeah, it's not good. No, oh, no not good. No, no, that is... Well, the 90s were a different time, you know? That is not a Brock you know? hat, that is a baby yeah. Brock hat. Hey, you're the one who said you would I wear it. I thought he was wearing a different kind of hat. But anyway. All right, all right. Anyway, we have Andy, who is Michael's friend in construction. We never hear about Andy again. Fun fact. But we hear about Andy like t three times in this episode. Oh, all right. Basically, she's like, you're just going to give up your art. And he's like, no, 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 I'm just taking a break. And you can go to law school. And, uh, you know, we can provide for Walt. You can support me and Walt in a manner to which we'll soon become accustomed. Walt, huh? I'd like to do that, you know? Name him after my dad. Walter. Walter Lloyd. Lloyd? Oh, all right. That's why you won't marry me. It's not that you think marriage is too prosaic. You just want to have your last name. Hey, you want me to agree to Walter or what? So, like, we can already see, like, pretty early on that, like, she's not 100% invested in this the way he is. Exactly. But they still have some sort of happy relationship. Sort of. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but it sort of begs the question of, like, why did she stick around as long as she did? Yeah. Why won't she marry him then? If she like, ends up being okay with marrying people later. Yeah. And I think it's, like, she took... Because, like, I... I have a problem with her in that I can find a redeeming quality about any single character. Uh -huh. I'm not sure what hers is. That she huh. kind of looks mildly attractive. <laughs> that's Absolutely not a redeeming not. quality. That's, that's uh, not okay, great. Okay, um. that one. Uh, let me see. What is a good redeeming quality that she kept all the letters? I mean, yeah, I guess it's like, you know, she has ambition mm -hmm. and... You know, she did keep the letters, but at the end of the day, she doesn't actually give, like, a reason that is understandable for not wanting to sort of have Michael around I at think, all. Right. I mean, another thing I would say is that, you know, she doesn't let her her boyfriend dictate uh, her goals. Yeah, okay. I think, you know? like, at first, Michael and Susan are seem like they're going to be set, like they have their ideas... But then as time goes on yeah. and Susan becomes more successful and Michael's, well, kind of down in the dump, they, uh, she decides to go their separate ways. That that's actually segues perfectly into the next scene. Uh, mm -hmm. We have baby Walt, who is just like the most adorable oh. child I've ever seen in my life. 
Aww. Little chubby cheeks. Susan's basically saying that she's going to take him away to Amsterdam with her. Uh, Mike, Michael is fighting it. She's like, we were going to say we were going to take some time apart. And he's like, yeah, well, we said a lot of things. You said you wanted to live on a boat. Isn't that ridiculous? And now it's funny because, like, Michael wants to live on a boat for a while. <laughs> he's like, we can take counseling. That's fine. We're Whatever. Married. Oh, wait, hold up. You already took the job, didn't you? Um, See, this is why, like, she, she's such a bad partner. Right. You know what? I never thought about it this way. Will you talk more about that? Well, I mean, there's absolutely something to be said for if you know you're not in a good relationship, get out of it. Yeah. But the way she did it is so wildly inappropriate, which is to basically make all decisions for their child. Right. And then remove him from Walt's life and break up with him at the exact same time, even though, like, Michael really didn't see this coming because she's someone who just kind of... Yeah. Says anything. That's so interesting. I've never thought of Susan in that light. I don't, and I and now I'm thinking I don't know why. I'm going to be on the well, side here. I think Susan was kind of in the right side of things because she was getting a steady income in comparison to what Michael was getting. Oh, yeah. Like, it was a good point, but, you know, the way she went oh, about absolutely. it still wasn't great. I think later on in the hospital, we'll get to that in a moment, folks. In the hospital, uh, that mm -hmm. is kind of where it gets rough. But it also poses some questions yeah. that all that seem to permeate later on with Michael's character. My whole thing with, like, the way she treats Michael, and I'm sure it's because, like, I'm a hashtag child of divorce, is if you have a, a parent who is emotionally supportive and who is working but has trouble working, there has to be merit in the fact that that parent is there for their child and is not an absent parent but is very involved, who is working very hard. You know, just because he's struggling financially doesn't mean he deserves to have his child taken away from him. Right. You know? Yeah. Like, that's punishing someone for... Like, that's unduly punishing someone, mm -hmm. I think, in a lot of ways. And I don't think that she recognized that he was such an involved parent... And that he truly loved his child, and just because he had problems with money, that didn't make him a bad parent. Yeah. Oh my god. What? You guys go so in-depth with this. Yeah. <laughs> That's our literal job. <laughs> yep. Uh, I'm just over here going, oh, look at the pretty birds, the pretty birds. Oh, that bird hit the window. Well, there are all sorts of different perspectives are what, what makes it yeah, fun, Yeah, exactly, know? exactly. Yeah, she uh, ends up winning the quote-unquote quote, custody battle. You haven't worked in months. Construction slows in the winter. I already told you I that. can provide for him. I'll give him everything he needs. Except for his dad. He's not going with you. So, no. You really want to argue with me about this? Hell yes. There are laws against this kind of thing. We are not married, Michael. I'm his mother, and I'm steadily employed. Who do you think the court's going to side with? They actually do end up having a custody battle in a later episode. Is this later oh, on do? in the yeah. series? In the, in the series, yeah. In, the, uh, in, uh, in a flashback. We, we see the, it's like, we see the custody battle that they had. And she I wins. mean, I'm glad they included that. Yeah. Uh, so the next scene we have, Michael's talking at a payphone. He just wants to hear Walt's voice and make sure that Walt hears his voice. She's like, this is not a really good time. And I kind of picked up on a parallel uh, from last episode when uh, Shannon said the exact same thing to Boone in a flashback. Mm -hmm. When she was kind of wronging him. Yeah, people who are emotionally cutting someone else off without, like, any discussion. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We learn about Brian. Uh, Brian Porter. Brian Porter. The guy who hires you. 
It wasn't like that before. So, so when you said you needed time to think about us, you, you were just lying. No, I did. No, and I I'm coming to Amsterdam. Michael, don't. It's over between us. I'm not coming for you. I'm coming for Walt. I'm getting my son back. Except then he gets hit by a car. Which is listed on the Lostpedia page as Golden Pontiac. <gasps> oh no, does this count as a as a knockout? Ooh, we said knockouts yes, were on island though. Yeah, there yeah, it would count except that yeah, it's in a flashback. Okay. So cool. the valuable so it has been of this flashback is always look both ways. That's Literally, right. And yes. really that's really a lesson for all of like your life, you know? I feel like my grandfather is looking down on me right now, going, Yes! Tell the world, because I swear yep. I heard that every day for my entire childhood. Yeah. Yeah. You know, those lessons aren't just for kids. Mm -hmm. Girl, I look both ways in the grocery store. So do I. Yeah. What if you crash into someone with a cart? Exactly. It's just good yeah. manners. Yeah. The next scene that we have is uh, he's writing, he's doing a drawing for Walt. Uh, the nurse comes in, makes a terrible joke that literally no one thinks is, is good. Um, she's like, I'm a mother of four. He'll think it's funny. And I'm like, oh, all right, Brenda. <laughs> hey, she tried. Susan shows up. She said hadn't heard from him for a while. So she called Andy and had to hear it from him. Uh, she left Walt with Brian. Apparently he's supposed to make a full recovery after a year of physical therapy. And she's covering all of his medical costs. But there's a catch. Yeah, because, uh, because they're moving to Italy. And the catch is that Brian and her are getting married and he wants to adopt Walt officially. Well, that's an <sighs> interesting way of breaking the news. Brian and I are getting married. I'm nice for you. No, you don't have to say anything. Just listen. We're moving to Italy at the end of the month. Brian's taking over the firm's Rome offices. Sounds like Brian's on a roll. And he wants to adopt Walt. I know this is hard, but just think about it. You're kidding me, right? Consider what's best for Walt. You can keep holding on if you want, but ask yourself... Why you're doing that? Is it really for him? Or is it for you? I mean, I understand that it's like, you know, she thinks she's doing what's best for her son. But I mm -hmm. don't see why... What's best for her son would, would be to have as many supportive presences in his life as possible. Yeah, and that's interesting because, it, like, at the very end of the scene, I think it's Susan who says, you want the best for Walt, but is it the best for him or is it the best for you? And it's like... Now that I'm thinking about Susan in this other light that you're bringing up, it, like, feels very manipulative. You know, in some ways you got a point there, but I just think it's kind of on the side of it helps develop uh, Michael on the island, too. Maybe he uh, mm -hmm. took some of the words that she said and is trying to find a way of being the dad, like, uh, doing what's best for Walt, but it feels like he's doing what's best for himself, like getting him to build the raft, for example. That's a good point. Yeah, but I mean, if he'd been given the opportunity, he could have grown into that person a lot earlier. Yeah. It was just that she took a lot of his options away from him by taking his child away. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So he didn't get to learn how to be a parent or to put yourself first. Like, to him, his whole life is, I must get to Walt. Mm -hmm. And he doesn't understand that once he has Walt, there's like a whole other thing that he has to do, which is be a parent. But she didn't let him be a parent, so he has no clue how to do any of this. Right. 
And then she again takes it away from him by saying, I don't don't want Walt to even legally be your child. That's a deeply screwed up thing to do to someone. You're right. Man, suddenly I hate Susan. <laughs> How did this happen? I don't hate Susan. I think that she did what she thought was right, which is what any good complex character does. I just think in a lot of ways, she is a deeply selfish character. And when she says what's best for Walter, what's best for you, most of what she's done is what's best for her. And it's mm. just a bonus that it also helps. Oh, and we'll get into Brian. You're so right. Things in a moment. Yep. Exactly. I mean, she definitely, she picked the wrong partner. She picked the wrong parent. She she basically did what was best for her job, and maybe that coincided with helping Walt out. Maybe it didn't. Yeah. Well, who knows? Yeah. But, you know, she literally Sam just messaged me and said she did what, what she thought was right, but she was wrong, and that's correct. <laughs> that's all that matters. Thank you, Samantha. The more you know logo just flies across the screen. <laughs> so the next scene we have is Walt doing his homework. Brian and Susan are just being like, cutesy married people he really needs help and she's like yeah yeah i can tell that you're stalling uh they're learning about the birds of australia but like they're in australia and so he's like we should learn about the birds of egypt and hey remember the fact that he talks about egypt this is the first uh real explicit talk about egypt which ends up uh coming back in uh, the mythology of egypt uh becomes an important part in the yeah. show so remember that i forgot about all of that until like right now yeah uh so susan good job Thank you. Uh, So Susan is not feeling well. Something that I noticed in this scene was that Walt doesn't call him dad. He calls him Brian. Um, Mm -hmm. Although in the previous episodes, he said dad and then got confused and said, I mean, Brian. So I don't know. I think that's interesting. I think it's just Walt. uh, He's feeling conflicted. Like, never mind the fact that he had a stepdad. But I think he, he knows that the his dad that the dad that he had for like eight years isn't actually his true dad and maybe that well i don't think at any point walt thought that brian was his biological father no but i think i know from my experience like you call your step parent their name yeah but inside you actually go through like this whole thing and it's like a lot of inter- inner turmoil where you're trying to decide whether or not like you want to put that label on them which is like parent is fine but like parent is one step and then you know stepdad is one step and then father and then dad so like right there's probably like a lot of stuff in there about like walt you know this is obviously like reading far too into it but Mm -hmm. it's like walt may be deciding whether or not to refer to brian as his dad but also for like expediency's sake like it's just so much easier to say yeah my mom and dad (laughs) right can i just say one thing about this scene of course Sure. I just thought of something. We've talked about uh, Walt having psychic powers. What if? Yep. And I'm just, uh, I'm just throwing it out there. But hashtag psychic type Walt? Question mark? Question mark? Question mark? What if Walt gave Susan? I know it's a blood disorder, but caused the awakening Ooh. of that. Uh, oh my God! That's so sinister. I don't know, just, but why you know how uh, some superheroes have, like, their powers are awakened, but they have no control over it? Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. I think you could totally read that. I think you could totally read that. I'm going to choose not to, because that's going to make me really and upset. And all this time, uh, yeah. Walt is going like, hey, notice me, notice me, notice me, dang it. Crimson Rosella dies. Yeah. Well, okay. The next thing we have is Brian shows up at Michael's door. Michael Dawson? Yeah. Can I help you? I'm Brian Porter. 
Susan's Brian? Can I come in? Right. I need to talk to you. Susan, know you here, man? Susan died yesterday. From a blood disorder, and she was only sick for about a week, which is just so upsetting. Like, I can't even <sighs> imagine. That's so messed up. Having only a week. That's ridiculous. Basically, he left Walt with their nanny back in Australia, and Michael didn't really like that. Um, he's saying, Susan wanted you to have custody of Walt. And it's like, Brian, you <laughs> you deserved Susan. Susan and you deserved each other because you're both kind of garbagey. And it turns out that Brian actually didn't really care about yeah. Walt. He was just uh, looking to please Susan. Exactly. Which is, you know, exactly what Susan was doing, too. Yeah. But, I mean, this is, again, like, the whole uh, lost theme of, like, daddy issues. Yeah, right? It is. You know, all the best cowboys have daddy issues. Exactly, and Walt is like the epitome of that. But this is also Walt or uh, lost kind of weird thing with mothers. Yeah, where like it doesn't know how to like quantify or figure out like mother figures in a positive light. So it made Susan like a villain, and then fridged her to continue Walt and Michael's story. Yeah, and that in itself is pretty messed up. That's true. Huh. Well, I'll just have to make sure in my own uh, stories to portray mothers in a better light. Yeah. I mean, I mean please do, because mothers are deeply rep misrepresented in pop culture. Mm -hmm. I mean, look at all the evil stepmothers that appear in True. Disney. Exactly, but where are the evil stepfathers? True. Uh, Brian. <laughs> Basically, Brian is kind of scared of Walt. He thinks he's kind of creepy. Different, he's weird. Brian, it's almost like um, Walt could see straight through you. <laughs> hmm. hmm. Interesting. The kid who, like, has, what, telepathy? Uh, no. Like I keep saying, he has, uh... Mate, maybe... He has mm, the powers of Mewtwo. He's just Mewtwo. He, like, read Brian's terrible, weird, like, greeny, brown aura and was yeah, like, Yeah, nah. that's what it is. The next scene that we have, the nanny gives Michael Susan some of Susan's effects and the box, and she, I guess, decided that Walt should have the things, and that's nice. I like I the like nanny. Yeah, she's a nice nanny. Um, yeah, either way, uh, then Locke, or why do I always call him Locke? It's because they sound similar. Uh, Walt's back from school, and uh, he walks into the unknown. Ooh. It's like, Ooh. oh boy. The last flashback that we have for this episode, uh, Walt is with Vincent, and, oh, man, this is just so, like, you can just feel this one. You can just feel this one when he comes in and Walt says, who are you? Yeah, it's the start of, like, a huge yeah. adventure. Yeah. Like, this alone could be its own little TV series. But yeah. also just, like, how Michael must feel. Yeah, to look at your child and your child have no clue who you are. Like, yeah. that's the extent of, like, how much he was erased yeah. from Walt's life. Like, I feel like that's that's similar to how people feel when uh, their loved ones develop Alzheimer's. Aww. Yeah, can attest to that. Yeah. Yep. Very sad. Literally, literally living that as we speak. Mm -hmm. And yes, that is exactly how it feels. Yeah. Basically, he's like, I'm your dad. I'm really sorry about your mom. But I hope that you know that we really loved each other when we had you. So that's important for me to tell you, I guess. He's like, where's Brian? Well, it doesn't really matter where Brian is because you're coming home with me. And he's like, I'm not going anywhere with you, which kind of is like a, a, a test to uh, them being like, don't go with strangers, Walt. 
Uh, yeah, but at the same time, uh, Walt kind of had the right instinct yeah, there. He, yeah, he true, kind of true. does. Someone wouldn't have wound up on a deserted island. Yeah. Lost. Yeah, yeah that's, a, that's an important thing that I kind of skipped over is that Brian's the one who gives them the tickets. Oh, so it's Brian's fault. Or what yeah. if it was Susan's fault? Oh, I'm very fault. happy to blame things on Brian. <laughs> why would be, Why is it because Susan's fault? Because she died. I don't oh. think she had a lot of control over I'm that. I'm sure she did. She just... <laughs> Susan, this is all your fault. Thanks for dying. You're trash. Thanks for fridging her writers. Uh, I know this is really hard to understand all this. See, Brian... Brian loves you very much. And he wants you to stay with him, but it's not his choice. It's mine. I'm your legal guardian. And, uh, it's not like he's gonna disappear from your life. He'll still call you, write to you, come to see you whenever he can. And, you know, you'll still have your dog. But... Vincent isn't mine. He's Brian's. Brian said you could have him. So I really want to talk about Michael's choice here. I really do mm-hmm. actually like this choice where he chooses to lie and say, and you can just see the decision in Michael's eyes. <laughs> and he's just like, actually, he said you can have it. So like, they stole That's this brilliant. dog. They stole a dog. They stole a dog, but also like, Brian's not going to be like, hey, you stole my dog. What the heck? He's going to be like, yeah, right. Well, I deserve that probably. Like, honestly, with Brian, it's like, hey, what's one less responsibility? Yeah. Now I just have this giant house. Brian didn't deserve the dog. nanny to take care of me. (laughs) 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 He takes care of Brian. The nanny's like, well, I'm out of the job now. Yeah. This whole scene is like one giant F you to Brian. And like, thank God. Mm -hmm. Because that's what I came here to see. One giant F you to Brian? Yeah, I don't like Brian. Does anyone have any more flashback thoughts before we move on to our segments? Uh, let me see. Uh, Vincent is a good boy. We shall leave it at that. Yes. Um, I just want to say, like, I super love, like, the choice that uh, Michael made there, because I feel like it was his first choice as a parent. Yeah. Like, one of the, like, big things about being a parent is making sacrifices for your kids, even if they hate you. And I feel like, like, that was Michael's first thing where he was like, I'm going to spare my child any kind of pain and take that on for myself. Mm-hmm. And I just really love it. Yeah. I feel like if Michael had told the truth, uh, Walt probably wouldn't have gone with him. Like, perhaps uh, Walt didn't believe him. Yeah, Walt could have very well not believed him. And, like, there's just a lot of emotional trauma there mm-hmm. that yeah. Michael spared him. Because, I mean, in a lot of ways, Walt probably already feels abandoned because his mom died. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Oh, so, yeah. Yes. <laughs> All right, so now it's time for our favorite line awards. So my favorite line this episode goes to Walt Lloyd for, Man, I suck. (laughs) Because it's just like succinct, to the point. I love it. And I have an honorable mention that goes to Sawyer for, Trick or treat. Just that moment. And mine goes to Charlie for, You hit like a punch. Because I think that is. You know what that means? Flipping like a Like a, like a big wussy. Yeah, an effeminate man. That's what it oh, says. Really? That's what it says on Google, yeah. Okay, well that's no longer my favorite phrase. Alas. Ugh. I don't like that. Hey, we learned something and now we won't use it again. And also girls hit really, really yeah, well. True. So you ever been hit by a girl? It hurts. I've been scratched by a girl and I mean, it hurt. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> girls can absolutely hit and make yeah. it hurt. So 
Shut up, Charlie. Yeah. And my favorite line award goes to Hurley, who goes, Nah, he hates it. And my honorable mention goes to that punch sound effect <laughs> that Sawyer gives when he punches Charlie. I think that's a really <clears throat> funny show. Yeah, I love it. I just love, like, and then you hear, Whoosh. I'm like, I've never heard someone pick a sound effect before, and I super yeah. love that, actually. <laughs> So, coming in with our segments, uh, first we have light and dark, and honestly, I once again didn't put a whole lot of thought into it, but one thing that I did was uh, when they're uh, at Michael's house with Michael and Brian, and like it seems like it really, uh, in the flashbacks, the happy moments are very light or like happen at daytime and the very dark moments happen at night. For example, when Susan decides to leave, when he's talking on the payphone, gets hit by the car, and when Brian comes to him. Yeah, it's very heavy-handed, mm-hmm. like, symbolism. Yeah. And the darker moments, like, I feel like that there was a darker tone, like, in the hospital scene, and, of course, being outside in the middle of the street, you're right. gonna have darker tones. Mm-hmm. All right, so I'm going to name off some characters, and we're all gonna think about whether they landed on science or faith this episode. So, okay. Michael, definitely faith, I think. Faith. Faith. Yeah. Uh, Walt? I'm gonna say faith. And I'm going to say science, actually. I don't want to be a tiebreaker, so I'm not going to answer. <laughs> um, how about Locke? Faith. See, Faith, but I also think that he has a, an element of science, just because he's like, you can't do this. These are the rules. Locke's in the middle yeah. for me. Uh, how about Boone? Idiot. Man of garbage. <laughs> Man of Boy. scumbags. Who's your least favorite character like on Lost, guys? He always will be a scumbag. There you go. How about Charlie? Charlie is a man of faith. faith. I think so, too. How about Kate? Because he has faith that Claire will be found, and he still holds on to that faith through optimism. Exactly. How about Kate? Kate is definitely... She is a woman of possibly... She's on the side of things. Like, she's in between science and faith. Like, she's sharing her faith with Charlie on hoping to find Claire... But she's trying to be reasonable, too. Yeah, I think I would put her on science in this episode just because she's, like, they're kind of, like, solving a mystery, you know? And she, like, yeah. knows the answer. Yeah. Sawyer's a sci- a man of science. Yeah, Sawyer was yes, next. Yes, he is. Um, I think science, for sure. How about Jack? Science. Science, as almost always. Uh, and Hurley? I don't know. He wasn't really in this episode <laughs> Yeah. much. Saeed is missing from this Okay, list. how about Saeed? Science! A man of science. Yeah. And uh, Shannon, then. Science! Uh, a woman of science. And Susan? Oh, science. Yeah. And and Brian. Science. There's no faith there. <clears throat> uh, idiot. Uh, <laughs> Just garbage as well. Douche. Selfish ass. In Sawyer's book corner, Walt is reading the polar bear comic. That's it. Which is a flashing green lantern yes, comic. Yes, Brock is a smart dude. Which I actually did not know. Well, you see them too. Next in Did They Do the Thing... No, for some reason I definitely thought that they did just because it's like one word and they are always saying it, but they actually didn't say it in this episode. They used No one says different. special? No, no one says special. They say things like different and weird or whatever, but they don't say special. I, I thought they said special at one point. But I checked the transcript and they by... didn't. The thing yeah. is, if they say the title of the episode um, in the episode. How many episodes since the last knockout? One episode because we don't count uh off island flashbacks woo yeah cool. i'm very proud of everyone on that island here's where we would put listener thoughts if we got any so there are those 
Yay! Stay tuned for our segment after the outro. We'll be discussing this episode within the context of the rest of the first season and then move into the rest of the series. Please be aware that this will be rampant with spoilers, so proceed with caution. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Our music is Terminal by Good News Tunes. If you're a fan of The 100, we like to talk about that show too. We talked about all of season four and we will be discussing season five next year. And if you're a fan of... Yay. <laughs> what? He said yay. Oh. <laughs> Big yay. If you're a fan of Riverdale, we talked about season one of that show. So you could go check that out. And then we'll be talking about season two pretty soon. Yeah. Uh, you can follow at the Aficionados on Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, and Redbubble, but mostly Twitter. Um, our Patreon is patreon.com slash Um, We could really use donations because I want to do a Battlestar Galactica podcast, but mm-hmm. we need a SoundCloud account for that. So if you can help us with that, that would be great. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, you can follow Thank me you. personally at Robin E. Jeffrey. That's R-O-B-Y-N-E-J-E-F-F-R-E-Y pretty much everywhere. And you can follow me on Twitter at Britannia, which is B-R-I-T-T-A-N-I-A with an underscore at the end. We wanted to thank Brock so much for being on this episode. Thank you, Brock. Oh, you're welcome, guys. Thank you so much for having me on here. Uh, we'll actually you're be having welcome. Brock back at the beginning of next season for another Michael episode called Adrift. Yay! Ahoy, mateys. All right, that was a pretty good joke. Uh, Join us next week for episode 115, Homecoming, with Maria, who is Juliet's Burke on Twitter. Hopefully. uh, Hopefully, yes. Right now, she's in the middle of a hurricane, and so she doesn't have any uh, power or reception. So we're hoping that uh, in a couple weeks when we're uh, going to be uh, recording again, that Maria is, first of all, safe and also able to record and discuss with us. If not, then uh, we'll put Maria somewhere else uh, in this season. And also, please donate to Hurricane Relief Efforts for yes. Puerto Rico. There is a, if you like YouTubers, Elijah Daniel is running one on his Twitter. Go to at Elijah Daniel, find the app pack. They are doing a big thing. They have like $10,000 and they're going to give it all to the people of Puerto Rico to help them out. Yes, and so is Lin- Lin-Manuel Miranda is also doing a bunch for that too. Basically, please help them. Yeah. Yes. Okay, love you, bye. Okay, love you, bye. Love you, bye. <laughs> Spoilers, spoilers, gonna talk spoilers. Spoilers, spoilers, gonna talk spoilers. Okay, welcome to the spoilers section. We are talking season one uh, as of right now, and therefore we can speak of the numbers. So I have a few numbers, thoughts in here. Where are they? Oh, my first one was that the nurse said that she was a mother of four. And four is one of the numbers. My other one was that Michael says that he sent the letters over the last eight years, and eight is a number. Yeah. I like how it just sounds like you're saying, like, these are numbers. (laughs) They are, though. Eight is totally a number. Well, I ran out of numbers thoughts, but I do have a few more season one thoughts. This is the first time when Michael brings up building a raft, and the raft ends up being really important in the rest of season one, uh, especially the end of season one. Uh, First of all, it gets burnt down. And Walt's the one who does that, and they have to build a new one. That's, you know, ultimately better than the last one anyway. And when they go out there, uh, Walt gets taken, ultimately because he is special. Walt! Yeah, by a bunch of hillbillies. Sure, hillbillies, for sure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They look like hillbillies. I mean, you saw the flies buzzing around Sure, yeah, 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 that's who it is. Yeah, 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 totally. Yeah, Yeah, that's totally. Sure, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Uh, Oh, sure. Totally, Uh uh-huh. But... Here's my thing about the whole, uh, 
Walt burning the raft. Mm -hmm. I mean, that also allows for everybody to learn that Son speaks English. Yeah. He says that, like, I kind of like the island. It's a nice island. Mm-hmm. Like Very lock thinking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and speaking of, even though that this episode starts to tie up the connection between Michael and Walt, there's still some sort of resentment that's still there, mm-hmm. and it hangs even after he burns the raft. Uh, like, it only takes, what is it, this episode or the next episode that he confesses to his dad about burning the raft? Uh, I'm actually not sure. I feel like the raft isn't even burnt for a bit, so I'm, I'd have to take a look. But this also serves as a catalyst for strengthening Michael and Jin's relationship because right now oh, they're kind of on the end side of things. Yeah. It looks like in translation is when the raft burns, but I'm not sure when. Wanted Locke to oh. know that he didn't poison Michael. Walt finally told him in Born to Run. So that's the, like, I think the second last episode of season one. All right. And then... Walt joins up with the gang on the raft. Yes. There's such a lovely little crew on that raft. Mm-hmm. Do you have any more just season one thoughts? Because I'm all out. Uh, well, I was... Oh, oh yes, I had a list. Okay. I made a list. Okay, okay. Boone's death. Yes. Ha! <laughs> I mean, yes. how's that? In hindsight, in hindsight to what you just told me, totally deserves it. Yes, Boone's And garbage. also... In the finale, we learned that Hurley was actually the owner of that Green Lantern Flash comic. Yeah! Oh, yeah! Yeah. Um, I was... Now knowing that in hindsight, I would have loved a little bit where uh, Michael throws the comic in the fire. Hurley just walks over. He's like, dude, that's my comic. Like, dude, Why'd you throw my comic rude. in the fire, dude? I mean, like, same dude, not cool. I actually would have super loved her Hurley just been, like, very quietly being like... That, that was, was mine. No. <laughs> Wait, Brock, right. how, f- how far have you watched, though? Have you watched started season two? I have not started season two yet. I just know that, uh, pardon my language, shit went down at the end of the finale. They are without a raft and without a paddle, too. Without oh. a Walt. Oh, my God. Then I have an amazing question for you. If you yes. don't already know the answer, what do you think is in the hatch? What I think is in the hatch, well, there's a giant ladder that leads down. I think it has something to do with that organization that appeared on the DVD cover. Ooh, interesting. Okay. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, okay. All right, well, Brock, thank you so much for being on the episode. Yeah, thank you so much. You're welcome. Uh, Why don't you tell us where we can find you on the internet again? All right. So, I'm going through a few changes on my uh, social media outlets, but you can find me on DeviantArt at Beelmeister. I'm currently working on some written work. Right now, I'm bouncing back and forth between two possible novel ideas, The Chronicles of Tiberia, which is more fantasy-oriented, and Beyond the Wild, which is more post-apocalyptic, but more on the wild side of things. On Twitter, you're going to find me at Beelmeister as well. Do you want to uh, spell that out for us? Oh, Beelmeister. B-E-A-L-M-E-I-S-T-E-R. Thank you. And at Instagram, you can find me at Prehistoric Prince. Awesome. Cool, 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 cool. <laughs> Love you, bye. Love you, bye. <laughs> spoilers, spoilers, gonna talk spoilers. 
Um, I don't have very many spoilers, so this should go pretty quickly. Um, so now we're on spoilers for the rest of the series. They're talking about how Michael hates being a father, and Jack says, well, it's just a lot of hard work. And I just wanted to bring up the fact that Jack is not a father, but in the Flash Sideways, he is. Yes, he um, is. To sweet David. He just doesn't know how much hard work it is sweet yet. David Shepard, who just wants to play the piano. Stop. Oh my god. Of course you get attached to David <laughs> Shepard. I worry about him. Also, I just want to say it was eerily, like, accurate how Brock figured out what was in the hatch. Yeah. I was like, oh, okay. Well, I mean, it's amazing that he hasn't heard it already. Like, he should have been like, oh, you mean Marcus Kane? <laughs> yeah, right? It's amazing <laughs> that he doesn't already know. Yeah, he somehow has, like, missed all of the spoilers. That's hilarious. Mm-hmm. Another thing I had was that, uh, this was brought up on Lostpedia, is that Michael gets the this box of letters, and they do this shot from uh, closer to the ground, looking up, mm-hmm. and the room that he's in's roof is shaped like an octagon, <gasps> which is very reminiscent of Dharma. Dharma. So that's I don't know why sweet. I said that in that voice. Dharma. Dharma. Dude, that's all the spoilers I have. Um, I'm pretty sure that's all the spoilers spoilers that I have, other than, um, until you told me, I didn't know that Walt was psychic, because the show, like, forgot to continue that plot line. (laughs) Actually, uh, in one of the webisodes, uh, they bring it up again, um, because they kept Walt in room 23 while, uh, during season two. Uh Uh-huh. Um, and so there's this, uh webisode called Room 23 where Ben and Juliet are basically discussing how heckin' weird Walt is and um, they're like, we have to do something with him because like, I don't even know what we're gonna do. And then they look down and there's just like a bunch of dead birds who have run into the window of, 20 th- of Room 23. So it's like Walt's only psychic talent, the fact that he can kill birds. Uh, he can just summon animals. Oh my god, Walt Snow White. Oh my god. He's like dark Snow White. Yeah. Okay, well, we figured out his actual power now. That's incredible. Crack that case. I'm so glad we know now. Yeah. Well, I mean, we had to figure it out. The show wasn't going to tell us. <laughs> True. Should we just outro then? Yeah. Uh, you can follow at The Aficionados on Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, Redbubble, mostly Twitter. And our Patreon is patreon.com slash The Aficionados, just in case you want to help us out. But if you don't, we still love you. Uh, you can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey. That's R-O-B-Y-N-E-J-E-F-F-R-A-Y pretty much everywhere. And mine is B-R-I-T-T-A-N-I-A with an underscore at the end. And um, my Instagram is Britter's Ray, but like I don't ever use it. Oops. <laughs> okay, love you. Bye. Okay, love you. Bye. Yay, bye. Yay, bye. You're a jerk.